majority of the chapter during the uh, event of the message, course of the message. But we're only going to read the beginning of it for sake of introduction and as you all stand, if you would, for the reading of the Word of God, for the sake of your feet, we will not read the entirety of the chapter at this point. John chapter number 11, verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had therefore heard that, when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, Last one place. There we go. Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Lazarus, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that ye may believe, nevertheless let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. I want to talk for a few minutes this evening about what to do when God lets you down. Lord, as we come before you this morning or this evening, Father, I ask that you would help me as I preach. Lord, help us as we listen to have an ear what the Spirit saith unto the church this evening. God, I ask that you would take me out of your way, cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. In this passage, Mary and Martha had a simple request of their Lord. They sent unto him and said, He whom thou lovest is sick. Lord, we've, we've got a need. Our brother is going to die. We need you to come and heal him. It was no large thing to ask of the Savior. They had seen on countless occasions Jesus heal the sick. They had seen him restore sight to the blind. They had seen him give the ability to speak to the mute and to give hearing to the deaf. They knew it was no small thing that they were asking. But they knew that it was within his power to come and do so. But yet, when the messenger arrives, Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm not going right now. And even if he had, by that point, if you figure it out, travel-wise, math-wise, do the time, Lazarus had already died by the time that messenger reached Jesus. It was approximately a day and a half to two days to travel from where Mary and Martha lived to where Jesus was. By the time that that messenger reached him, Lazarus was already dead. But yet, Jesus still could have healed him. Even as they sent the messenger, we've seen scripture where Jesus heals the centurion's servant without ever going. And yet, 
Mary and Martha must have felt as though God had let them down. I'm sure they thought within their hearts, I don't understand. Jesus said he loved us. Mary may have thought to herself, I anointed his feet with oil. I wept over him. I dried his feet with my tears. I love him and he said that he loves me. Why would he not come and do this simple thing? Why is it after all this time that we've spent serving him that God has let us down? And yet we know because we have the purview of scripture, we have the entire picture that God was doing something far greater in their lives, but they did not see it. And many times within our own lives, we have the same issue as Mary and Martha. We'll ask God, say, please, Lord, will you do this for us? Lord, I have this bill that's coming up. Would you give me the money to be able to pay it? Lord, my family member, my child is sick. Would you please heal them? And yet it seems like God lets us down. Having grown up in church, I grew up with the understanding that nothing is beyond God's control. I had the privilege of knowing that from an early age. And I heard preacher after preacher say that God would never fail. And for a long time, I misunderstood that to mean that he would never say no. As long as I was asking for something, he would always do what I was asking to do. But yet there's times when we ask for things that's not God's will. And God lets us down, not because of his own failing, but because of our asking, because of the way that we're asking, because we're expecting something to happen in a way that God does not plan it. And when things don't go exactly the way that we think they should, well, God let me down. But this evening, I want to talk for just a few minutes about what to do when God lets us down. There are times we ask God time and again for a blessing upon our lives. We ask for burdens to be lifted, for terminal illnesses to be healed. And when when things don't happen, like I said, exactly the way we think they should, we quit on God. We say, you know what, it's not worth it. God's not really who he said he was. We act as though God is our servant. We act as though he's our genie in the lamp rather than being a living sacrifice to him. But how did Mary and Martha react when they felt like God had let them down? We'll go throughout the course of the remainder of this chapter, and we're going to see how Mary and Martha responded and how we should respond when we felt like God has let us down. Continuing in the passage from where we left off there, verse number 20 and 21, the first thing that we should do when we feel that God has let us down is we should run to him. Verse number 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. As soon as Mary finds out, and later on we'll see that Mary does the same thing when Jesus calls for her. As soon as they find out that Jesus is near, they immediately get up and they go to him. So many times when God doesn't work things out the way we feel that it should, when things don't go according to our plan, and God says no, or when God says wait, we get stubborn. We pull up against God and we say, you know what? If we can't have it our way, then fine. You're going to have to come to me. We we give God the silent treatment. We say, you know what? (laughs) You're not going to answer the request the way I wanted it. We'll see how this goes. And we act like a little three-year-old. 
As soon as, Jesus, as soon as Jesus came near and Martha heard about it, she responded the way each of us should. She got up and she ran to him. The Bible says later down, when Mary goes, that she made haste. She didn't just walk. She ran to him. They knew where the answer was. They knew that God was in control. Even though their brother had died, even though things didn't work out according to the way they wanted them to, they knew that God still had a greater purpose in all of it. They didn't try to hide from him. You think back to Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned against God and the first thing they try to do is play hide and seek. They didn't do that in this passage. And neither should we. We shouldn't get mad at God. We shouldn't try to hide from him and say, you know what, until he answers our request, until he meets our demands, we're not letting our hostage go. We should be willing to say, you know what, Lord, you're right. You know what you're doing. You're right and I'm wrong. They didn't lock him out of the house. They didn't throw his stuff out in the yard, so to speak. They ran to him. Number next, they trusted him. Verses number 21 and 22. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Again, they still knew he was in control. We think that just because God doesn't let us have our way, that he's failed. We think that just because he hasn't seen fit to work things out the way that we desire it, that God's enacting cruel and unusual punishment upon us. We think that the troubles of our life have caught God off guard somehow, as though he's sitting upon heaven's throne. Oh, I didn't see they were going to get a flat tire today. Oh, no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And we act like the world is going to end and like God is off his throne because of our little troubles here on earth. We don't keep trusting him. They trusted God to do whatever he pleased. And she trusted that in the end, when everything was said and done, that she would that she would see her brother again, that he would raise him up. Of course, she believed that would not be until the resurrection, but they didn't know still what God was going to do. But they trusted him in spite of it. We quote the passage so often from the book of Job that though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. We're so fond of that verse, we quote it, yet how often do we actually live it? When troubles come, we try to solve our own things. We try to take it into our own hands and fix the problem rather than stepping back saying, Lord, you've got this. And I understand the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's far easier to say it than to do it. But by the same token, if we're going to trust him, we need to trust him. Number next, remember who he is. Verse number, verse number 23. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God that should come into the world. Jesus took a moment when everything was crashing down around him, when it seemed all hope was gone, he took a minute to remind and say, Hey, you remember who I am? Whom say men that I am? Whom say ye? That I am. 
Do you remember that moment in your life when you knelt at a cross, knelt at the cross of Calvary, and acknowledged Him as Savior? When everything else is crashing down, do you remember that day when He knelt down His hand into the miry pit and pulled us up and set our feet upon a rock? We we forget that everything is filtered through the love of an almighty God. Again, the world's crashing down around us and we think God's been knocked off His throne. We've forgotten who He is. We forget that moment when we looked up and we saw God sitting high upon the throne, high and lifted up, and His glory filled the temple. We forget that He's in control of everything and that His ways are not our ways, nor His thoughts, our thoughts. Because we can't see the end of the solution in black and white, we think that God's not in control. We've forgotten that He is the one that knows all things, that He was and is and is to come. We need to remember, like Mary and Martha, like He took the time to remind them of who He is. Martha doesn't quite get it in her grief. She doesn't quite understand what Jesus is driving at here when He says, I can raise Him again. But by the same token, she remembers that last verse there, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God that should come into the world. She still remembers that He's in control at the end of it all. Number next, we need to worship Him. As the, the passage progresses here, Martha goes back into the house and she tells Mary, The Master has come and calleth for thee. And immediately Mary gets up. She doesn't delay. And she runs to Him. Verse number 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell down at His feet, saying unto Him, Lord, if Thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. It's amazing the difference between these two ladies and how they respond to Jesus. Martha comes to Him and she says the same exact words, but there's such a difference in their attitude that you can read. Martha says, Lord, if You'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. How dare you not come? But Mary, she comes to him. She falls down at his feet. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. I don't understand. You're still in control. And she worships him. The act of falling down at his feet is a sign of worship. It's Throughout all of Scripture, it's always associated. That laying down at the feet is being worshipped. That's why every time... When an angel, a person falls down at their, an angel's feet, they say, get up. I'm not the Savior. Get up. So many times we don't worship God. Again, going back to the account of Job. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He sat in the ashes and worshipped. So many times we aspire to be like Job in our trials. We want to be like him when the world's falling apart. And yet, we get mad at God. Lord, how dare you? It's one thing to ask God why. It's another thing to accuse Him. We throw a tantrum. We raise our voice. We shake our fists at the very God of heaven. And say, Lord, why? Why me, of all people? Instead of saying, Lord, I don't understand why. We try to withhold our praise in an effort to get an answer from God. Again, trying to be that hostage shaker. Until he gives me what I don't want, I'm not letting go. 
We refuse to serve him because we think he's wrong us. But when was the last time we truly worshipped him? Even when everything was going wrong. Brother Toby preached last week about is he precious to you? Even when everything's going wrong, do you still find him precious? When he doesn't do exactly what you think he should, do you find him precious? Paul and Silas found him precious. Beaten 40 times, save one of cat of nine tails and tossed into a prison. And yet at midnight, they sang praises and prayed. The world was crashing down around them. Of that, there is no doubt. The wisest man had spoken and said there was no hope for them. And yet they still sang. They still praise God. They still worship. How many times do we worship God? Even on a good day. So many times we come in, we sing the songs. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When do we think about the words? When do we worship God in it? It shouldn't just be here at the church. It should be within our very lives. It should be second nature to us to come in and worship God. Because we should have been worshiping him throughout the week. Number next, obey him. Jesus sees the grief in Mary's face. He sees those that have come with him that thought that she was going to the tomb and sees them weeping as well and grieving for Lazarus. The Bible says he groans within himself. I can picture him kind of thinking these people just don't get it. They don't understand. The Bible says that Jesus wept and he said, show me the grave. Take me there. And they said, come and see. They took him to the tomb. In verse number 37, verse number 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. We need to obey him when the world is crashing down around us. Martha, when, when he says to open up the tomb at first, she's like, I don't know about this, Lord. I can see the disciples over there going, Jesus has lost it. He done gone local, man. But in the end, they finally obeyed him. He kind of got on to Martha. He said, didn't I tell you? Weren't you listening? We need to obey him when we don't understand. When we think God's let us down, we need to keep trusting him. We need to keep obeying him. We decide that since God hasn't done what we've asked him to do, we're going to live for ourselves. We've decided that it's just not worth it anymore. There are other pursuits that we would rather chase after. And yet, we miss out the blessings of God because we're not willing to obey him. I wonder what would have happened that day. If they'd said, no, not going to happen. There's no way we're rolling back that stone. I wonder if they would have missed out on that miracle or if God would have still went ahead and done it anyway for them. 
but we allow other things to take the place of God in our hearts. We should allow God in all things to have the preeminence, to allow Him to have the first place, instead of trying to fit Him into our schedule, put our schedule around Him. We leave our first love behind us. We stop reading our Bibles. We stop praying. We stop telling others about what He's done for us. Because in our minds, He's messed up. Because in our minds, our pathetic little problem that we're not willing to trust God with is far greater than the God that is within us. Jesus rebukes her, and ultimately they do obey and remove the stone. Jesus stands there, Lazarus! Come forth! And as a, as a response to that, they got their brother back because of their obedience. Now that's not to say that every time we obey God, He's going to give in to what we want. Sometimes He's withholding it for the greater good, for our good, and for His glory. But how many times do we miss out on the blessings of God because we're not we're simply willing to trust Him? Simply willing to do what He's asked us to do? Number last. We need to go and tell. Verses 45 and 46 say, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. And I understand the context there about them going and they're trying to rat out Jesus. They're trying to get him in trouble. But by the same token, they went and told. Hey, we've got the greatest story ever told. We've been delivered from death, hell, and the grave. And yet, we can't get off our blessed assurances enough to go and tell someone what Jesus has done for us. We decide that God's not worth it. We decide that the world's right. That we're all just a bunch of archaic, religious fuddy-duddies. We decide that they're right to make fun of the things of God. We come to the mindset that if Christ wouldn't solve our problem, how is he going to solve their problem? Because we're not willing to trust him. We let our witnessing in because we don't find him worth discussing anymore. We've let other things take his place in our lives. Those that saw Lazarus raised, they went and told the Pharisees, sure, but they went and told him. They did it to accuse, but we should do it to glorify and exalt him. But are we willing to trust him? That's what it really boils down to at the end of the day. Are we willing to keep our faith in Him? We won't lose our salvation, but we can lose out on that sweet fellowship with Him. How will we respond when things do not go the way that we ask God to do? Are we willing to trust Him? Are we willing to obey? Are we willing to go and tell? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed across the room. The pianist will come. How about it this evening? Short message, but God doesn't always give us the things that we ask for. And so many times we feel like God lets us down because of that. In our human finite minds, we act like we know better than God. We say, Lord, I'm, I'm not willing to follow you anymore. Maybe it is this evening that someone needs to come down and say, Lord, I've been... I've been bitter at you against this for years. Miss Connie will play as soon as she's ready. And we say, Lord, there was a time I trusted you. 
but I quit a long time ago because she didn't do what I asked. I asked you to intervene in a problem and you wouldn't do it. My child went astray and I asked you to bring them back. And they just got farther and farther and ended up dying in their sin. And I'm mad at you, Lord, because of that. Maybe someone needs to come to an altar this evening and say, Lord, I trust you. God's spoken to your heart. Please come.